0: Hey, welcome to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show, as heard on SB Nation from deep in the heart of Texas. Hey, glad you're getting to listen to your weekly dose of sports medicine my, with myself, Dr. Dan, and my co-host, Ferris. I'm a, a 25-year sports medicine physician. And as a, have done it at a professional level, Olympic level, college level, high school, you name it, weekend warriors, and Ferris is a professional sports broadcaster. He's been doing that at every level. Hey, Ferris, thanks for being on the show today. Love it, man. Looking forward to it again. Yeah, hey, what we do here on Docs and Jocks is we basically talk about – the sports entertainment world, but we do it from a sports medicine niche, and so we'll be talking about knees, hips, shoulders, injuries, maybe your favorite uh, golfer, Tiger Woods, who just came back after having uh, major back surgery, is, is uh, back playing golf, stories like that. But we we'll talk about all that and more here on Docs and Jocks, and so remember, you can listen to us anytime, anywhere by going to either our SB Nation podcast, you can go to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X dot com, or you can listen to our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, or you can listen to us or follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, you name it. We'd love to have you part of our show that way as well. Our guests this week are going to be uh, several, we've got a couple of great ones. We're going to have on our first hour, Talmadge Trammell. Dr. Trammell is a, a neurosurgeon who's going to be talking about uh, all kinds of different uh, back surgeries that he's performed over the years, but also how that applies to Tiger Woods' back and how he's coming back and playing golf. So if you want to know Man, is it pretty amazing that Tiger Woods, after four back surgeries, is back playing golf after having an infusion. Dr. Trammell and I will be talking about that uh, here on the show, as far as from a medical standpoint. Then we're going to have on in the second hour of our show. If you don't catch our second hour in a radio station area that you're in, you can listen to us on our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. We'll be talking to uh, Coach Jesse Burleson. Coach Burleson is the head football coach at the Hardin-Simmons University. It's my alma mater. They are one of the winningest football teams in the entire nation, Uh, their division program, but they uh, have a winning percentage bar none, one of the best in the nation at Hardin-Simmons University. We'll be talking about all the new things going on there. they got a big game coming up against Mary Hardin-Baylor, who's ranked number two in the nation. Hardin-Simmons right now is ranked number eight in the nation, so a lot of cool things going on at the Hardin-Simmons University. We'll be talking that and more Really what we like to do here is talk about uh, different injuries that you might have experienced yourself. We're not taking the place of your doctor, but uh, we're just giving you some information to get back out on the field. Remember, you can contact us yourself and send us your question by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Email me your question, and we'll try and get your question on air. From myself, Dr. Dana Ferris, we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to your sports medicine radio show, Docs and Jocks. Man, it's great to have you join us today and every every week here on our SB Nation uh, nationally syndicated radio show. We're coming to you from deep in the heart of Texas in our Docs and Jocks radio studio. Myself, Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician, and my co-host, Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. And Ferris, I thought we'd jump into one of the biggest sports medicine stories in the news, if not the biggest, in a long time. And we saw Tiger Woods last week. He goes off and uh, wins the Tour Championship. It's his first victory on a PGA Tour event in uh, since 2013, so over five years ago. He is now playing in the Riders' Cup. The amazing thing about Tiger Woods, you have to remember that he has had – remember, he's 42 years old, so he's not a spring chicken to start with. He had a ruptured ACL or a torn ACL, partially torn ACL, I should say. And he had uh, surgery for that. He's had four previous back surgeries, including a fusion in his lumbar spine. An Achilles injury to the back of his heel on uh, his right side, and a medial collateral ligament sprain of his knee. So he has had numerous injuries. Some of those have required surgery, and uh, he's still playing golf. He's not playing that well in the Ryder Cup. He, uh, from the way I think of it, he kind of got benched in the uh, second half of the uh, Ryder Cup after not coming out and really playing well right off the bat. But we're going to be talking, Doctor Talmadge Trammell about the exact what what happens when you have a fusion of your lumbar spine. We'll be talking about that from the medical standpoint. But just from the golf world, fairs, talk to us about, you know, seeing Tiger come back and win a PGA Tour. You and I talked about this. We thought it probably wasn't going to happen, but just from a fan standpoint, what it means to the world of golf.
1: Well, I mean, it, it was relevant, right? Yeah. I mean, that. I mean, nobody talks about golf, really, except for the majors, um, that much. I mean, there are, there, look, there are, there are a lot of golf fans out there that, that eat, breathe, and sleep it, right? But the majority of us sports fans, or even the people that aren't sports fans, like my wife. She doesn't know anything about golf. She could care less about golf. But if if she walks by and Tiger is playing, she knows enough to be like, "Oh, he's playing. He's on and he's got that red shirt on, you know?" So mm-hmm. it just makes golf more relevant to the masses. It's it's like what Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson did for the NBA, you know, it made it relevant with everybody in the whole world and it was it was cool. I mean, I didn't watch any of the tournament, but man, just the the chatter on Instagram and Twitter, the chatter on the sports radio,
0: it just it just made everybody interested again in golf. I really never thought Tiger Woods was going to be able to come back and be as effective as he was in this tour championship and finally get another victory, mainly because when you watch his swing, and this is what lumbar fusions do in your back, remember your back's made up of a bunch of different segments. And so when you fuse one of those segments together, you lose some of the natural movement that happens through your lower lumbar spine, what happens to your pelvis, and there's part of your swing is made up by that movement, and so especially when you're having to, you know, corkscrew or rotate through, I felt like Tiger Woods, to me, never looked the same after his last back surgery as he did before. So the fact that he's been able to overcome that just tells you how good of a golfer he was to start with. I don't think we're going to see a string of victories from Tiger Woods like we used to, but the fact that he's even able to come back and get one, I I, I honestly was a doubter. I was a, I was on a disbelieving uh, mode when I, People would ask me for whether or not I thought Tiger Woods would be able to bounce back from four back surgeries and still be as good as he was. But that's pretty cool, man. I think it's uh, – like you said, I think it's great for golf. It's great for the sport overall. And um, people are even interested in the Riders' Cup more so than usual because Tiger's playing.
1: I think, it. you know, because it took so long, too. Um, I mean, Tiger – he had those injuries. He had all that personal stuff. Everybody knew about it. A lot. He was, he was pretty smug, pretty cocky, pretty arrogant before all that stuff happened. So there were a lot of people who are kind of like, Oh good. You get what you deserve, pal, you know, but it's been so long now and he had to fight through so much adversity. It's almost like there are so many people, not just rooting for him because it makes golf relevant, but just like, you know, we love a redemption story. We love, you know, a guy getting a second shot. We love, and he kind of became an underdog again, but yeah, I, I never thought he'd win another major. He still might not. I was surprised he even won a tournament, not because he can't play really well and exceptional at times, but to do that four days in a row, I just didn't think he'd be able to have that consistency.
0: And so I I thought it was great. Yeah, you know, 42 years of age and have all those different injuries. Remember, we minimized things like, you know, he had surgery on his knee. For his uh, ACL injury, he had surgery, uh, you know, he's had an injury to his calf, which a lot of people have a hard time pushing off afterwards, spraining the ligament on the inside of his knee. All those things, little things add up. And remember, when your back isn't working correctly, really your spine is surrounded by a group of muscles called your core muscles. And one of the things that back injuries uh, cause cause to occur are... uh, they will lose their ability to make the muscles around the the spine, the core muscles, they'll lose their ability to contract those. And so we've heard Tiger Woods talk about this. We know we played the clip where he said my glutes weren't firing or whatever, but it really does right. cause muscles to not be activated correctly, especially the ones in the back, the one that surrounds your spine, your paraspinal muscles, your pelvic muscles. So he has a hard time. And when those don't work correctly, it is, a, remember, you're basically a box with four little pendulums hanging off of it. So, When those don't work correctly, when you lose your foundation or your core or the box that the pendulums hang off of, you then start noticing other injuries. You then start getting Achilles injuries. You get a medial collateral ligament sprain. You get different injuries to your knee, your hip, your back that all go together. So it seems like when people start getting back injuries and they're athletes, it seems like the next thing happens and the next thing happens. We saw this with the great Larry Bird and Steve Nash. I can think of lots of guys who had back injuries and it just seemed like it was a slow downhill spiral. Of uh, different injuries that then plagued him the rest of their career. It's it's very very difficult to come from back from a back injury, like Tiger Woods has even so far. So yeah, kudos to him, man. I'm also I'm so glad. Like you said, we love a redemption story.
1: It's interesting too. I mean, people are saying that you know that even the way he relates to the younger players now is so different because you remember when Tiger was in his prime. He was ruthless. You know, he would stare people down. He yeah. wouldn't talk to people he was playing with. He was ruthless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, why can't you be more, you know, a nicer guy, whatever. But people forget it. It's amazing to me how it mirrors. When Jack Nicholas came up, he was the only guy that started beating Arnold. And people hated him. And Jack was like the yeah. same way. He didn't talk. He was kind of surly. He was kind of, well, I knew Jack after he'd already had a success, had kids,
0: yeah. you know, He was our Arnold started Palmer. lightening yeah. up.
1: And so that was written from, what, in the 80s when he was on his comeback and he was a jovial, fun guy, you know? Yeah. But Tiger's almost kind of, I don't know if you could ever describe Tiger as jovial and fun, but he's getting more like that, you know, kind of cracking jokes and kind of laughing and smiling and interacting. He actually kind of likes some of these young guys, you know?
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I think there's definitely a different mental aspect to Tiger, and that's a lot of times what happens with physical injuries we see people respond to them different ways. We see some people who have physical injuries and they just seem to spiral downhill. They, woe is me, I'm going to be out for a year with my ACL, and they never really truly recover from that. There's a huge mental component to an injury. And then we see other guys who have injuries, and when they come back, they're able, they fought so hard. I would give uh, Sean Lee with the Dallas Cowboys, we had that interview here on Docs and Jocks. And by the way, if you ever want to hear one of the previous interviews we did here on Docs and Jocks, like what the one we had with Sean Lee when he tore his ACL, you can go back and listen to those at docsandjocks.com. But Sean talked about how he had already had an injury on his other knee, and he had overcome that ACL injury, and it made him stronger because he stood on the sidelines and learned the game of football better because he was watching and he wanted to be out there so bad that he, when he came back, he was better, and he was applying that same type of tough mental aspect to this ACL injury, and he came back just as good as good as ever. So some people respond to injuries – with the uh, depression and being down and they lose their drive. Other people are somehow able to overcome that. And I think you're exactly right. When I watch Tiger Woods, there is something different about him now, how he has changed mentally to deal with this injury. But you're exactly right. There is a physical component and there's a mental component too as well.
1: It's kind of that age old story. I mean, it's, 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 it's the biblical story. It's the story of every great, you know, movie and great work of literature. It's, you have a tremendous success you fall, you're at yeah. the mountain, you fall all the way down to the bottom, you hit rock bottom. Then if you're fortunate enough to climb all the way back, you know, to a pretty high level, maybe not the top, but way up there, you tend to enjoy the ride up where it didn't look like Tiger was really enjoying it that much when he was playing early on. He loved the winning and the victory, but it was all an encompassing driving force. And I don't know, he just he just seems like he's in a better better headspace now, better state, maybe maybe able to enjoy it more, which is good good for him. But I think look I didn't care about golf. I, you know, major would come, I'd look, about whatever. Now I'm like, oh, when's he playing again? Oh, he's in the Ryder Cup? I wanted to turn that on and see it. I mean, there's something about that red shirt on a Sunday in the last group that I'm going to watch that.
0: Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. So fun watching Tiger Woods' career, both ends of it. I feel like we're on the back end of it now, and we're watching him, and I hope he has some more success, and it's good for golf. It's good for uh, all of us to watch a, a guy, like you said, who kind of hit rock bottom, and now he's bouncing back up. But, yeah, you're right. Hey, by the way, if you ever want to find out how you deal with injuries, how you deal with adversity, uh, you can go to our mental strength coaches uh, website, the Edge Mental Strength with Tracy Munton, And uh, you can actually get to an evaluation and do it. And it's a free evaluation from uh, she's certified in uh, sports psychology. And you can go take that free evaluation. Just go to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. And uh, on, our, on our website there, you can just click on the Edge Mental Strength icon and pops up. And the free evaluation is there. You fill it out online. You don't have to do anything. She then sends it back to you, shows you where your strengths and weaknesses are. It's a great way to find out where you are before you have an injury, even how you deal with those types of things. So, hey, when we come back, we'll be do- talking to Dr. Tra- Talmadge Trammell, a neurosurgeon, talking more Tiger Woods and back surgery. We'll but right back with more Docs and Jocks. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. This is Dr. Dan, your longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and Spine, and my co-host Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. We're coming to you from deep in the heart of Texas here. And, uh, man, we want to say thank you to all wonderful listeners. Remember, you can catch our show anytime, anywhere by going to our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, and your iTunes podcast, and listen to us there as well. Hey, Ferris, we have a good friend of the show on. We have Dr. Talmage Trammell. He is a world-renowned neurosurgeon who uh, we are fortunate enough to have here in the big country. And I thought, uh, Dr. Trammell, you and I could talk about some of the uh, spine injuries and brain injuries in the world of sports right now. Thanks for being on the show.
2: You bet. Thanks for having me, Dan.
0: Yeah. Hey, let's just jump right into the uh, Tiger Woods. We, uh, Ferris and I were talking about it in our first segment and how good we think it is for the game of golf. The Tiger actually won a tournament last week with a tour championship, and now he's playing in the Ryder Cup. And so for our listening audience, I thought it would be interesting to get your take. This is a a guy that has had four lumbar surgeries. He has had some uh, disc herniations and then most recently had a fusion in his lumbar spine. So for our listening audience, let's uh, have you talk about what those entail and what you actually do when you fuse a lumbar spine.
2: You bet. You know, of course, we don't know exactly what Tiger had done, but from reports and what i followed over the years, it sounds like his main complaint for his first three surgeries was leg pain from pinched nerve, or we call radiculopathy. And so he had decompression surgeries that just served to unpinch the nerves, trying to take away his leg pain. Well, probably with his, um, his swing and everything else, he's causing a tremendous amount of force on his lumbar spine, and um, it sounds like he developed more mechanical low back pain over the years. And so his lumbar spine probably became more... Uh, chronically unstable or worn out basically and um, necessitated a fusion surgery and so it wasn't just from what we from what I gather or in general, um, when you have this mechanical back pain and some instability, you can't just unpinch the nerves to make that better you have to stabilize the spine it's a, it's a structural problem that requires a structural solution and so when patients finally, Get a fusion surgery, getting those two unstable bones to become stable and grown together. Then a lot of times that takes the back off alert, um, can actually increase range of motion, and can dramatically decrease that mechanical low back pain. Um, often it's done with the assistance of rods and screws. Now those are only the only job that those have is to hold the bones still while they grow together. Right, bones have to fuse together. Sometimes we think that the the metal does all the work, but really it's the bo- the body healing itself. So it sounds like once he finally got that um, potentially unstable level fixed, that he's uh, he's a man on fire again.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It's good to see. Fair, have a question for Doctor Trammell.
1: Yeah, Doctor Trammell, did did you think as as all this was coming out years ago, he needed this this stuff done? He's having the back issue. Did you think that he would? Uh, I mean, were you surprised by him winning this thing? Or did you think, yeah, once he gets everything like you said taken care of, he should be able to get back to his. You know, a piece of his former self, at least.
2: Well, I was not surprised that once he got the fusion that he was back on the course. Now, his performance, you know, I'm kind of blown away that he's he's that good that fast again. But um, we saw the same thing a little bit with Peyton Manning. He had, I think, three cervical decompressions uh, trying to avoid a fusion. And he just was doing worse and worse and worse. And finally, when he got stabilized and had his fusion surgery... He came back and had one of the best seasons the NFL has seen. Uh, Of course, it rapidly got worse a couple years later. But sometimes once you go ahead and, and get the primary structural problem fixed, it builds a firm foundation for these guys to really excel.
0: And the other thing about Tiger Woods' affairs uh, is, I think that uh, one of the benefits he had—and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Trammell—is that he he had some of the greatest, uh, you know, physical therapists, athletic trainers, guys on the tour with him, working with him, to not only uh, after the surgery on trying to get him back out on the course, but before the surgery, really working on trying to stabilize the things he could stabilize, like the core muscles around his back, so that when he had the surgery, he was ready to go on the rehab and take off. But it it does make a difference if you go into a surgery, especially the types of surgeries you do with fusions, Dr. Trammell. If you go into it strong, you're your likelihood of doing better after the surgery is uh, higher as well. Would you agree?
2: Oh, definitely. He's a he's a definitely a specimen. It looks like so. Yeah. his core is probably one of the strongest guys around. Yeah.
0: Hey, we saw a, a sad story. Uh, we saw the linebacker Neron Ball uh, for the Raiders. He was a linebacker a few years ago. He he was a starter, I and mean, he had had a, a, a arterial or venous malformation (AVM) in his uh, brain, and he just recently this week had an aneurysm rupture. So for our listening audience, explain an AVM, what that is, and then explain what an aneurysm rupture is. He's now been placed in a medical-induced coma, but kind of walk us through what those are and what he's been through.
2: Sure. I was lucky enough to do my neurosurgery training under a a gentleman named Duke Sampson, who is one of the world's experts. He's a legend in neurosurgery from Odessa. Um, And so he took care of a lot of AVMs and uh, aneurysms. And so an AVM is something that you are potentially born with where the blood vessels um, don't um, develop correctly or the brain doesn't develop correctly in one spot. Usually arterial blood, which is high pressure, gets slowly taken down in pressure by blood vessels getting smaller and smaller and smaller in the capillaries, and then those capillaries get bigger and bigger and bigger in veins, low pressure, taken back to the heart. That happens throughout the body. Um, an AVM does not have a normal capillary bed, and so you have a high pressure arterial hose connected to a low pressure vein, and that has inherent pressure problems. And so, what should what uh, a vein should be carrying very low pressure is carrying a tremendously high pressured arterial blood, and that causes the thing to um, potentially rupture. That's what happened, it sounds like, in 2011. Now, the other thing is this, um, that pressure, that abnormal pressure can cause aneurysms to form inside the AVM, called intranidal aneurysms. That's usually what actually causes the bleeding. So kind of like a blister on the side of a garden hose, those bubbles get big inside there and bust. And when an artery or an AVM or an an aneurysm busts inside the brain, it is tremendously dangerous. Uh, Approximately half of the people who have this rupture won't survive. Those who do survive are often significantly disabled. So it sounds like he had a rupture back in '11, and they came in with surgery, it sounds like, from reports, and removed the AVM. Well, those things are usually followed pretty closely. Um, If you don't get the whole thing out... And it, and it recurs, then you once again have increased, you have an abnormal pressure differential, and those things can, can form new aneurysms or new blisters on the, on the side of the blood vessels. Unfortunately, that's what it sounds like has happened. I do not bet that he had one at a, dis, a different location, because, you know, yeah. when you have this problem, you get studied out the wazoo, and they do a ton of x-ray studies to make sure there aren't any other problems back then.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like he was incredibly lucky. Not only did he uh, survive that first AVM and found out about it and had it removed, he went back to playing football. So, uh, yeah, he's been in place in a medically induced coma. Explain to our listening audience what that means and why he'd be placed in that.
2: That is generally used to decrease swelling in the brain. Um, so if the brain is, is malignantly swelling, because you can imagine if it's yeah. bleeding inside of it, um, you can put a tube into the fluid cavity to take off some pressure. You can give some... Uh, called mannitol, which can help reduce the pressure, kind of dry the patient out a little bit. And if those aren't working, you can either do surgery to remove half their skull and give the brain room, or the other thing is you can put them in a, what's called a pentabarb coma or a, a medically induced coma, which basically flatlines their neurological activity. They're on the ventilator, obviously, and that can also um, decrease the pressure or the swelling inside the brain. Right, right. Ferris,
0: have a question for Dr. Trammell?
2: Yeah, I just
1: as I, I'm kind of like probably all the folks driving around listening to this on SB Nation, you and Dr. Dan talk about this so clearly and methodically. This seems like a really big deal. Like I'm like deal. listening to you guys talk. I'm going, holy cow, what is going on? <laughs> but the way you say it, it's so calming. Like what's the project? I mean, you don't know this patient and things, but I mean, where does he what happens after a medically induced coma? I mean, what's the next
2: step ideally? In in obviously not knowing this patient, but yeah. in general, um, we the the medically induced coma is one of the last tools in the in the toolbox to help control a malignantly swollen brain. Mm. Um, some doctors are more hesitant to perform a decompressive craniectomy. Um, a famous person who had that was Roy or Siegfried and Roy. I'm not sure which one of the guys, but you know when they were attacked yeah. by their lions. They took off half the skull because the brain was swelling. So when I read it, I did not feel very optimistic, unfortunately, that he's in a medical coma. But, of course, we hope hope for the best for him. And there could be a lot of factors I'm not aware of. They may be doing this out of an abundance of caution. His brain may not be swelling that much. But in my patient population, it's something that we feel is one of our last tools to control malignant brain swelling.
0: Yeah, but Neurosurgeons Fair is just to let you know I've worked with a lot of them over the years in my field rehabilitation. We we uh, oftentimes will have the patients once they're stabilized transferred to uh, us to take over their care. But they are a calm, cool, collected bunch. But just think what they're doing. Doctor Trammell, right? Dr. Edelman, Doctor Brown, yeah. Dr. Hutchins, they're going into situations oftentimes where, you know, it's it's life or death and they've done that so many times and that's why oh. they trained for so long. Realize realize Dr. Trammell, you know, trained medical school, residency, the whole thing, you know, twelve, thirteen years by the time it's all said and done. So <clears throat> That's why you have them trained so long, so they're in those situations. And you do. And Dr. Trammell does a great job staying calm in those situations. Because the last thing you want to do in an emergency situation is panic everybody else around you might be panicking but dr trammell no can't panic, you don't
1: want so. your doctor walking in going holy <laughs> no, yeah, cow what yeah. do we do here yeah right exactly yeah so, no, no we did that dr
0: trammell it's and i did that the first for few years of our people. career but yeah you can't do it long term so hey dr trammell i want to say thank you for coming on docs and jocks and uh if someone has listened to our our show all across the nation uh, how can they get a contact with you and uh, get a consult with you
2: Just uh, give my office a call in Abilene, Texas. If you're in the neighborhood, we are happy to uh, take care
0: of you. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for being on. We'll have you on again real soon. Appreciate it. Dan
2: Ferris, thanks, y'all.
0: All All right. Hey, we are right back with more Docs and Jocks after this short commercial break. Remember, you can listen to our show anytime, anywhere by going to our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, DOX and JOX. We'll be right back with more Sports Medicine Radio Show, Docs and Jocks. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. This is Dr. Dan coming to you from inside the Docs and Jocks radio studio deep in the heart of Texas with my co-host, Ferris Potter, the sports broadcaster for Grand Canyon University. And, Ferris, I thought that was a uh, awesome interview with Dr. Talmadge Trammell. Remember, if you ever missed an interview like the one we just did with Dr. Trammell, you can go back and uh, check him out at docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. You can also listen to our show anytime anywhere. But Go into our SB Nation podcast on Podcast Arena. We'd love to have you part of our show that way as well. But anytime a uh, neurosurgeon can break down injury, like that and make them very understandable I think that's a benefit to everybody because you hear about these different types of injuries like Tiger Woods lumbar fusion or or uh, Ball the Raiders former linebacker who has this aneurysm and you listen to Dr. Trammell it does make it very simple to understand.
1: You know the way he described it uh, about the fusion and everything. I, I just picture like a guy going to Home Depot and grabbing some tools, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and putting a cabinet or putting a drywall yeah. back together. I mean, I've seen some videos of you know they're hammering and chiseling, yeah. oh, and it's yeah. like it's almost like yeah, it's almost like a craft, like a carpenter when you oh, get to that stage. It is like you a know? carpenter.
0: I remember my grandpa was a carpenter, and I I really have no uh, doc, doctors in my family lineage I was the first one to go in the medical field and but uh I you know I'd seen carpenters and I'd seen people do do work as a carpenter does and so when I walked into orthopedic surgery my very first knee replacement as I was a medical student back in the early 90s I was uh watching what they were doing they had these you know basically like a saw saw they're cutting off the bone at the end of the uh you know knee to to put in the knee replacement and they were oh. pounding in these nails and they were using these different hammers I'm like this is carpentry, man. This is just carpentry. It's like you got to get through some soft tissue to get there, and it's obviously a lot more delicate. But it's pretty gruesome, man, when they do it. It's not as delicate as you think it is when you're doing Does some that of these surgeries. Did that
1: bother you, or did you? Have not you all. always just been like, eh, you know?
0: I never did. I never had the queasies. I've never had that. I've never had the ooh. I can't believe I'm looking at blood or something. I just never hit me that way. Now, the one thing that will get me is the sound that happens when they do respiratory texts and they have to suck the phlegm out of. The patient's like Bronx and all those things, and they have to really? suck that up. Yeah, that, that slurping sound. Yeah, it just gets me. I don't know why that gets me, but that's the one thing I would does.
1: think – you know, it's weird. Hawk, Hawk always likes to text and Instagram stuff of guys getting injured. Like, that <laughs> yeah. makes me queasy. Uh-huh. But watching a surgery for whatever reason when they're shaving – because I just assume it's like the guy when he's redoing my drywall. You know, he rips <laughs> yeah. the whole place apart. Yeah, you go, well, he knows what he's doing. It'll look fine when he's done. That doesn't bother <laughs> me. But the actual – Injury the itself, going, yeah going, you know, north when the rest of the body is going south, that mm-hmm. pre-
0: I don't <laughs> see it. Yeah, yeah the Joe Theismann injuries, those types of injuries, oh. yeah, definitely oh. get you, yeah. Hey, uh, I thought we could talk a little baseball. We were talking uh, golf earlier with Tiger Woods. We're going to be talking a lot of football later on because a lot of big injuries both in college and in the NFL right now, but the baseball, we got the Cardinals and the Cubs getting ready to go at it for a three-game series. It means a lot to both teams. The Cubs right now are game ahead of the Milwaukee Brewers for first place in the NFC Central. Obviously, if you don't win the NFC Central, you've got to go in the wild-card bracket then. If you play the wild-card, you've got to play a one-and-done game against the second wild-card team. So, It's a big series for the Cubs, trying to stay in first place over the Brewers, and now you got the Cardinals, who are game behind the Los Angeles Dodgers for the second wild-card spot. So when you ever say you have the Cardinals and the Cubs playing each other. It's always a big deal no matter what, but now both teams have meaningful games, and it's going to be interesting to see how what comes down. What's interesting, too, is the fact that right now you've got Adam Wainwright projected as the starter for the Cardinals in the first game against the Cubs. Adam Wainwright is a guy coming back from Tommy John surgery. Some people are saying that he's probably going to be his his last uh, start as a St. Louis Cardinals he very well may retire after this year he's been injured for most of the year he has 145 career wins for the Cardinals and they're going with him because he's a veteran and they really need to win what's your feeling on going with a guy who has had a mediocre season but has a storied history as a veteran of coming through for big games uh, would you have gone with Adam Wainwright or would you have gone with one of the younger guys throwing 100 miles an hour for the St. Louis Cardinals to try and get this victory
1: you know, that's the Cardinal way, man. They, they get these guys that, you know, to Chris Carpenter in his final couple of years, you know, was battling injuries and having struggles and, you know, you'd throw him in a big game and he would go lights oh, out. Yeah. That's just kind of the, the Cardinal way. Baseball is one of those games where, where you can kind of lose it, but in moments you can just be dominant. You don't see that as much in like football and basketball. I mean, once you're, once you don't have the hops, once you can't keep up, you know, you're kind of down. But yeah, I mean, I like it. I, I, what I just love about baseball is you play in 162 games. We're at a hundred and what, 15, eight yeah, games yeah. here. And the teams, there's still teams one game away, yeah. one game back. And, and it's, and it's fun stuff. It's the Cubs playing the Cardinals, yeah. you know, it's the Dodgers, playing the Giants. Yep. And the Giants have nothing to play for other than they stink and hate the Dodgers <laughs> yeah. and they want to knock them out, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of a fun time. I and mean, you got enough upstarts. I mean Milwaukee, you know, they haven't had a storied pass. They've been good at times. Right. And Colorado, you know, they're trying to win the division for the first time. Yeah. I mean that. so there's a lot of good stories. The American League is set. You know, yeah, but just nationally is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, you know, the uh, Giants, I'm hoping as a Cardinals fan, the Giants pitch Bumgartner all three games against the Dodgers and win all three, go three and oh against them. Why so, not? Why not? <laughs> yeah. He's got all winner three. to rest, man. Hey, a couple of the big injuries are going to make a difference in the playoffs right now. You got Chris Bryant, the Cubs third baseman, uh, MVP back in 2016. He has been held out this week after being hit in the hand or the wrist by Chris Archer earlier in the week. So, uh, you know, we've seen so many hand injuries. We've got another big one with Justin Turner with the uh, Dodgers as they're trying to win the second wild card spot right now. He's a third baseman for the Dodgers. He's dealing with a thumb injury after Paul Goldschmidt ripped the ball to uh, third base and it went off his left thumb. But it does seem like this year we have seen more hand injuries, whether it's Aaron Judge, Chris Bryant, the list is long. I don't know if it's because it's increased velocity of the pitchers, and it's riding up and in on them. I don't know if guys are getting over the plate because less guys throw in so they feel like they can get hang out over the plate. But there have been a rash of hand injuries that have hit some big players and really knocked out some good players for long times at long bouts of the season like Aaron Judge. But we now see it lay up. The last two have been Chris Bryant. Well, Justin Turner was hitting the hand, but he was on a ground ball. What do you think the reason is that we've seen more of the hand injuries, guys getting hit uh, with their hand on the bat?
1: I mean, guys love crowding the plate you know these days uh, a lot more. I mean, kind of when we grew up, there were a lot of guys off the plate, and you'd kind of dive toward it, you yeah. know, and uh-huh. that type of stuff. Guys like to crowd the plate, and I think pitchers, especially guys throwing you know in the in the nineties hundreds they they're they're not afraid to throw inside anymore, you know um so i yeah I think I think that's probably part of it, yeah. Another interesting thing about baseball to me is Chris Bryant. You would say Chris Bryant's a better a better baseball player than Justin Turner. If you had to pick one, you'd probably take Chris Bryant over yeah. Justin Turner, right? But I think Justin Turner means more to the Dodgers than Chris Bryant means to the Cubs. It's like, is Yadier Merlina the best actual player on the Cardinals? You can make the argument, like when Holiday was there and those guys, and, and Berkman, he wasn't. But he was the most important guy to the team, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I think it really hurts the Dodgers. I think the Cubs will probably be okay if Bryant misses a bit. They'll need him for the playoffs. The Dodgers, I mean, they're one game out. I mean, going into this weekend, they could win the division or they could not even make it. And I think their team, if they get in the playoffs, they could win the whole thing, but they might not even get in.
0: I know. It's crazy, man. There's a lot of big stuff going on in the National League uh, Central and the National League West right now. Yeah, you know, interesting. Chris Bryan has really had a down year this year. He's played uh, just 96 games, so he hasn't been as durable as he was a couple years ago when he won the MVP, but he's only batting 276, 12 home runs in uh, just at 100 games. So his RBI totals down to 49, 12 home runs, 49 RBIs, and a 276 batting average. If you just said that before the season, you would think, well, maybe the Cubs aren't even in this thing
1: yeah well and we talk about it too so many of these guys they come back but they're kind of dinged up they're not healthy and if if he gets healthy in the offseason he'll probably come back and do you know 100 130 homers 100 rbi all that stuff again but uh yeah these guys are just dinged up a bit it is interesting because because the cubs have suffered through some injuries the yankees you know with missing guys for a long time they still are gonna maybe win 100 games so uh there's just some depth on those teams but it's the best time of the year, man. I love it. When you get into October and baseball. It's it's to me, it's the greatest sport and the greatest time of the year.
0: Yeah, you're just getting hockey going. You're getting basketball getting ready to kick off. You got football going mid season about mid season. You got the baseball playoffs. You're right. It's a it's a great time of the year. Speaking of the NFL, I thought one of the big games this last week that everybody was interested in was the Carson Wentz uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. We were going to see how he looked in his first first game coming back after having an ACL. Rupture, Man, He looked. I thought Carson Wentz looked very good. We were a little bit hesitant because he has, still had a slight limp. Remember, he had a uh, anterior cruciate yep. ligament reconstruction along with a lateral collateral ligament injury and a meniscus tear as well. And it looked like he was still limping when he was walking, and so we were a little bit uh, hesitant on whether or not he was going to look good when he came back. But he gets a big win over the Colts. Remember, Andrew Luck was another guy that we've been watching very closely here on Docs and Jocks after he came back from a uh, rotator cuff repair, set out for an entire year trying to get that thing rehabbed. So Carson Wentz takes them all the way down the field. The Eagles on the last uh, late-scoring drive to score the go-ahead touchdown gives Andrew Luck time to go ahead and try and come back down the field. He takes the uh, Colts all the way down the field. He finally gets sacked on the four-yard line. It was fourth and three, and the Eagles won the game. But a big win for Carson Wentz, I think, in the Philadelphia Eagles. Everybody wanted to see him back and healthy again. I think he looks good. So Nick Foles looks like he's been sent back to the bench after winning a Super Bowl. You don't say that very often. A guy gets benched after winning a Super Bowl and playing relatively good. But Carson Wentz is definitely the man in uh, Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, it's exciting to see there's some young. I mean, you know, Rogers is still kind of doing his thing, but he's hampered by injuries already. Uh, You got Tom Brady who, you know, I mean, you could say it's the team. You could say it's him. He's not having such a great time. Every quarterback we're talking about now is some young guy, you know, whether it be Carson Wentz or Baker Mayfield or Jared Goff or, you know, I'm going to miss some of them. I mean, we're talking about these young guys now. It's kind of exciting to see the good young talent at the quarterback position uh, in the NFL.
0: All right, so here we go talking about quarterbacks and how good they are in the NFL and wanting to watch these guys play. Oh, boy. So we got Clay Matthews, man, who makes a tackle. He sacks (laughs) the quarterback, and he lands on the poor little quarterback. So this is my question for you, you, Ferris. Should the game of football have changed to the extreme where now when Clay Matthews lands on the quarterback, somehow he gets penalized? It's a game changer. As opposed to letting these guys play, play hard, letting them land on the quarterback. I mean, is what we have to see when a backup quarterback comes in and how – dreadfully uh, teams play when you lose your starting quarterback. Is it worth protecting the starting quarterback so much so that you basically don't let defensive ends do their job anymore? And if they tackle him with their head to the side and land on the poor quarterback, that uh, they should get penalized.
1: No, I mean, that's, that's crazy. I mean, you'd make a tackle, you're going to land on the guy. Like, you can't tackle somebody and not land on him. Now, I know back in the day, you would drive him into the ground and stuff, but he didn't even do that. Like, no. he hit him and just fell on him. Like, what's <laughs> no, he supposed to do? Hit him? And as he's falling somehow, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. They've either got to say, hey, these guys are going to wear shorts and T-shirts and you can't touch them, period. End of discussion, they wear flags or whatever. Or they got to go back. They don't have to go back to Terry Bradshaw getting pile-driven, you know, after he throws the ball, you know, five seconds earlier. They don't have to go back that far. But yeah, you got to give these guys a chance. I mean, they have pads on. It- these guys go out and they run and they're in the field even then guys are like do I how hard can I tackle I should I, what I, do I, know. I you know they're nervous as all get out about this stuff. Well, we just saw so, a classic so case of ridiculous. that.
0: Just saw a classic case of that. The defensive end for the Dolphins, William Hayes, he tears his anterior crucial ligament against the Raiders while basically sacking Derek Carr. He decides he doesn't want to land on Carr cuz risk of penalty, so he tries to basically jump over him. His foot gets caught in the his foot gets caught in the turf. He jumps over, he ruptures his ACL, he's done for the year all because he was trying to Avoid landing on Derek Carr to not let Derek Carr get hurt. That's why we see now Richard Sherman comes out and said, basically, the NFL doesn't care about the rest of us getting hurt as long as the quarterback is safe. And there's there may be a point to that. But, uh, yeah, the quarterback is a tough position to lose, no doubt about it.
1: Real quick, it is horrible when the second stringer comes in. Typically, I can't believe there's only 30 guys in the world that can play that position at a high level. I think the coaches have to change and give these backups more reps with the first team. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the starter needs every stinking rep with the first team during the week. Yeah. I think some backup quarterbacks could actually play pretty well if they'd get half the reps in the given week or That's a third we, of the reps or something like you that.
0: You and I learned that here on Docs and Josh. We had our interview with yeah. Stephen McGee, a backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. You said his first time of taking a snap with his first string team was his uh, after he got a uh, guy ahead of him got hurt in, in the, the game in the game yeah. so yeah you're crazy you're right it's crazy they don't let him play more hey uh, when we come back man we're going to be talking to uh, Tracy Muntin actually we're going to have her middle strength minute with the love of Miss Tracy Muntin here on Docs and Jocks.
3: Legendary coach Lou Holtz once said talent determines what you can do motivation determines how much you are willing to do attitude determines how well you do it I love how this quote breaks down the characteristics of great athletes Most people will gravitate towards a sport if they have the natural talent for it. When they are young or first attempting a sport and find some success in it, they will more than likely develop a motivation to get better at it. This motivation then determines how hard they will work to develop and become good or even great at their sport. Alongside of this motivation comes attitude. The character, work ethic, and perseverance of an athlete will then spur the athlete towards greatness. Most times, if an athlete does not have a positive, hardworking attitude, he will eventually fall by the wayside. Time and time again, we have seen how raw talent is usually just not enough to produce great athletes. The mental characteristics and fortitude of athletes are the keys to becoming great. If you or an athlete you know would like to learn more about developing mental fortitude, you can reach us at the EDGE Mental Strength Training by clicking on our link at docsandjocks.com. This has been your Mental Strength Minute.
0: Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, coming to you from inside the Docs and Jocks radio studio deep in the heart of Texas with my co-host Ferris Potter. Hey, Ferris, we just have a couple minutes here. I wanted to jump into the story, uh, I think one of the uh, sad, tragic stories that we saw this week. If you didn't get to see it, it, it was it was viral, the video, but a Burleson football player, a freshman in high school, was basically targeted in a freshman football game from another player on the other team during a kickoff. The uh, other player uh, got the, uh, the Burleson player to the ground And started choking him out. Then he was picking the player up and slamming his head over and over into the turf until he uh, caused a concussion. Gets up, kicks the player, and uh, he only had to sit out one game. He got ejected from that game. Because it was halfway through the game, he missed the second half of the next game, or the first half of the next game for a full game. I think the guy ought to be not only ejected from that game; he probably ought to be ejected the entire year, possibly his entire football career. And I'm telling you, man, if I'm a parent and I saw that happen to my young kid, uh, I'm not. I'm not talking about just football, but he may be uh, talking about punitive damages. That was so outrageous. If you haven't seen it, just Google Burleson football targeting, and you can take a look at it. It was ridiculous. No place. Yeah.
1: Look, it was horrible, but uh, it's 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 uh, it's now it's on the uh, the the adults that were there and the adults that uh, are in charge. Yeah, the guy shouldn't be playing. He should be done for the year, and I, I agree, possibly never play high school football again. And by giving him one game, you're basically saying, oh well, that that's a penalty for actually trying to basically trying to kill a kid yeah. on the football field.
0: Yeah, if you haven't seen it, he one literally game. gets the player down on the ground. After he gets him on the ground, he then is standing over him. He's choking the kid out. He has his hands around his neck. He then picks him up by his neck, slams his head into the turf over and over and over again. The kid's lifeless body is laying there when the coach finally runs out. He then gets kicked. Yeah, there is no place in football. This is not a game that is meant to be played with pure, outrageous violence to, to try and hurt somebody on purpose. That's not what it's about. And so, yeah, I was very, very disappointed in the whole thing. I don't think we'll see that again. But uh, you never, never know. Hey, if you want to catch our show, our Docs & Jocks Sports Medicine Radio show, our second half, you go to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com, or follow us on our iTunes podcast, uh, Docs & Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. For myself, Dr. Dan, and my co-host, Ferris Potter, hey, thanks for being on the show today. We'll see you next week on your weekly sports medicine update, Docs & Jocks. Hey, welcome to Docs & Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Man, it's great to have you join us for our second hour here on Docs & Jocks, your sports medicine update show. Hey, remember what we do here is we talk about the sports entertainment world with a sports medicine niche. Each week, I do it with my co-host, Ferris Potter. And Ferris, man, we've had a great first hour of our show. In the second hour, we're going to have on Coach Jesse Burleson, Hardin-Simmons University head football coach. We'll be talking all about uh, great things at Division three football, what's going on, some of the great players there, some of the great things happening at the Hardin-Simmons University, my alma mater. But uh, all that and more here on Docs and Jocks. I just want to jump in a couple of big stories we see in the news right now. Uh, if you missed it, in our first hour we talked with Dr. Talmas Trammell about former NFL linebacker uh, Neron Ball. He's right now been placed in a medically induced coma after he initially had a arterial uh, arteriovenous malformation, a collection of blood vessels that form in the brain. He has had that taken out as a sophomore with the uh, University of Florida. He missed his entire next year playing football, and then he came back It was uh, cleared to play football again. He now, after finishing his uh, football days with the uh, Oakland Raiders, or what is it Los Angeles Raiders It's Oakland Raiders which one is it now I can't stay I can't stay straight with it anymore is it Oakland are They still Oakland it's yeah, I mean, I think Las it's Vegas Austin. Raiders I, mean, I think I mean, they're no, still No Oakland, they're Los right? Angeles aren't they I think cuz you got the Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles No the
1: Raiders are going to Vegas the Chargers oh, are going to Los, Los Angeles Good Chargers Lord, I
0: can't keep track of it anymore
1: I always see LAC and I think they're the LA Clippers but they, they're Los Angeles Chargers Los Angeles Rams and the Las Vegas Raiders
0: There you go so that's what's happening right now but the he Matter
1: Raiders I don't know
0: had a ruptured aneurysm and so he has now been placing a medically induced coma so our thoughts and our prayers go out to the family of a Neron Ball as he's uh, going through that. But it is an amazing story that he had initially a, a brain arterial venous malformation that was removed. A lot of people die from those and was able to come back and play football again. So it's one of those stories, Ferris, we always talk about this. We like the uh, overcoming story, the inspirational stories of coming back and playing. But football is a dangerous game. Those are dangerous uh, injuries you have. You had to be a little bit nervous for him and his family when they were coming back from that.
1: Yeah, it's just sad, but that—that's what those guys, you know, we see it with other athletes. They just want to get out there and play, and then, you know, it's tragic how it ended. But uh, yeah. it's a great story when he came back from it. But yeah, it's—it's it's just it's just—it just stinks.
0: Yeah. So he's going to be in a medically induced coma for some time, and then they'll see if he can uh, come. They're basically trying to lower the uh, pressure inside of his brain, his intracranial pressure, to see if they can get his. Uh, brain and that the bleeding stops to come back and hopefully he'll be able to uh, return to his previous lifestyle but yeah those are the sad injuries those are what we talk about here on docs and jocks some of those types of injuries that you just man you just don't see very often and uh, we had one of the world's experts uh, dr Thomas trammell talking about that injury and you can go back and listen to that interview anytime anywhere by going to docs and J O X. d-o-x-n-j-o-x.com hey we'll be right back with more docs and jocks your sports medicine radio show after this short commercial break
4: and Jocks. Brought to you in part by Buffalo Wild Wings, First Financial Bank, and MDI Abilene. Touchdown. Now, back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris.
0: Hey, welcome back to your sports medicine update show, Docs and Jocks. Man, great to have you part of us. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician. Uh, Coming with you uh, from uh, the inside the Docs and Jocks radio studio, deep in the heart of Texas with my co-host, Ferris Potter. Ferris, I thought we'd just jump into a couple of big injuries in the news. We saw this week one of the star young quarterbacks cut that we really thought was going to be on the rise, Jimmy Garoppolo with the San Francisco 49ers. He goes down with a ACL rupture, an anterior cruciate ligament rupture. Remember, you got two crisscross ligaments in your knee. Uh, one is called your anterior cruciate ligament that runs as if you had, think about having your hand in your pocket. You would run from kind of the back or posterior to the anterior uh, portion of the of the knee, and then you also would run from the outside of the knee to the inside of the knee. We call that lateral and medial, but that's the way your ACL runs, and when you basically are planted and you're cutting, it puts a lot of stress on that ligament, and then that ligament gives way. We've had lots of uh, athletes on. We recently had uh, Emma Melton on, a young uh, high school athlete who tore her anterior cruciate ligament playing basketball. It tends to be a little bit more common in women than uh, men. And so we uh, see it this week, though, in Jimmy Garoppolo with the San Francisco 49ers. Always sad when you see these guys going down. We saw Carson Wentz last year, you know, they start quarterback for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles go down with an anterior cruciate ligament rupture. And now we see Jimmy Garoppolo, who really the 49ers were kind of banking the farm on as far as betting the farm on uh, on as far as trying to get him to be the guy that takes him to the promised land. But now that we see him go down, we're going to be seeing uh, his backup, who I believe played last year, C.J. Beathard, uh, who was drafted third round with Iowa in 2017. He's now going to be coming in, and I don't think there's going to be a lot of seats filling up for the San Francisco 49ers now that Jimmy Garoppolo is down.
1: No, I think it's funny. uh, The injury's not funny, but it's funny when they announced that Beathard was going to be the, the next quarterback um, you know, they're like, oh, we have utmost confidence. Well, then why'd you go sign Jimmy to like a multi million dollar <laughs> yeah. deal if you had, if you thought CJ Bethard you have confidence Beathard, yeah. in him? So they obviously don't. But um, I can tell you exactly why Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. I picked him up on my fantasy. Oh, he did not. That morning. Yeah, and he scored like 30 <laughs> points for fantasy. I was like, I'm a genius. And they are like, oh, yeah, he tore his ACL. He's so that's why he's he hurt. It's my fault. I apologize, San Francisco fans.
0: Yeah, so uh, B he had, had last year. He played seven games. He threw for 1,400 yards, hit a 69% pass, passer rating, four touchdowns, and six interceptions. So I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure you want to go pick him up in your fantasy league right now, Ferris, says oh, the guy God. that replaced Garoppolo. You never know, but.
1: You never know. I mean, he's not horrible, but it's like we said, you know, he'll probably get better as the season goes on because these guys don't just, they don't, they just don't get to perform with the first team. And now he's going to get all the reps. I mean, good or bad. He got a bunch of reps last year, the year before. So, you know, maybe he'll be a a little bit better this year, but yeah, I mean, Jimmy G was, I mean, he was still young, but he was showing that he could, he could do some things and he could lead that team. And so I tell you, that division is just falling apart. now. Remember when that used the division used to run yeah. the roost Yeah,
0: like two years the ago. The 49ers yeah. had the Cardinals,
1: and the Rams were like a joke or whatever. Now the Rams are the, the only good team in that division.
0: I know. They're 4-0, and they had a great game. Jared Goff looked exactly like the uh, best oh, quarterback uh, picked in number one. Uh, he looked really, really good last night. So, yeah, you know, the uh, Rams are good, and the Cardinals stink, and uh, the flip has been the uh, total flip of that uh, NFC West for sure. So, But you never, Isn't never know uh, – what the season is going to hold all because of injuries and so uh, what do you think about uh, you know 12 months before Jimmy Garoppolo comes back uh, well the what do you think the 49ers gonna do this year Are they gonna play basically do uh take the rest of the season they're gonna try I mean it's such a hard they're thing probably
1: to just gonna play it out you know yeah. with Beathard and see what happens I mean he's not a horrible quarterback I mean he's, he's gonna be okay I guess but it, I don't know what else you can do I mean could they try to go get? I think um, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is backing up somewhere. There's some, you know, I mean, if Ryan Fitzpatrick loses his job in Tampa, would they trade Fitzmagic, him? Fitzmagic, mean, baby, just not a lot. Yeah, what's that? Fitzmagic, there's not a lot to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Fitzmagic. I mean, he might lose his job now after two. Oh, two do you games really see that happen? And
0: this really is a sports medicine injury story because uh, there's not a sports medicine angle to it. But James Winston's coming back now from his uh, timeout, and so. You really yeah. think that he's done so well. How What has he done to lose that job? And Ryan Fitzpatrick has looked really, really good. Are you really going to bring James? I mean, the other thing, well, I guess there is a little bit of a sports medicine angle to it. We've seen Jameis Winston go down with some different injuries uh, before this season, so he hasn't been really durable and out on the field. So do you stick with a guy who's been very, very durable, like, uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's led the uh, Buccaneers to a very good start to their season? Or do you pull it and say, Jameis Winston is going to be our future guy, and we're just going to go ahead and stick with him no matter what. I mean, do you really pull I mean, him? I
1: think you go with whoever's got the best chance to win and if you think that's uh Fitzpatrick based on what he's done, you just keep him in there, but I don't know, they do silly stuff, man. They got a lot of money tied up in Winston yeah. um, you know, or maybe they trade Winston, but you know, if you're the it, if you're the 49ers, you know when Jimmy G comes back, he's your guy. So, what are you going to give up to get somebody for one year and what are you really playing for for one year, you know? I mean, Yeah. I mean, we saw the Rams. Nobody's winning that division except for them. And I don't know who's beating them in the in the playoffs, you know.
2: Yeah.
3: The
1: way they're playing now, it's four games in, so you can't right. get too excited. But they got they got him. They got Gurley. they got uh, they got Gurley. They got uh, that great receiver from uh, New England. Um, I forget him. He was in New Orleans for a while. Then he went to New England. You know, real fast guy. They got uh, yeah. Possession, guy. They got a really good team, man. So I I
0: don't think we're beating them. Speaking of wide receivers in New England, uh, it's interesting to see if Josh Gordon will play this week. He's down with a hamstring, so he's been limited in practice for the Patriots. They're talking about he's probably not going to make his initial debut this week, but we'll see. But yeah, it's always interesting with Bill Belichick when he takes these guys who seem like they have kind of a checkered past, and he's able to get them to to conform to the system with the New England Mm -hmm. Patriots. But yeah, Josh Gordon could be really, really good with Tom Brady doing his thing there, and uh, now and, and just kind of got a new life you know he's kind of like boom he's but you never know he's made a lot of bad decisions in the past he's going to stick with you know the uh the new england Patriots. if you don't follow bill belichick's system you're gone man there's no question about it but i'm interested to see how he does
1: i think the patriots should just go all in on this bad bad apple thing here they should make a trade for Le'Veon bell <laughs>
0: yeah
1: you know bring yeah. him over they should uh, go grab Jameis winston as a backup you know just just go after all the guys who've had checkered past and bad history and see if Belichick really is the genius that he everybody says
0: he is. What was James Harrison talking about this week? I was watching him. He was saying that Le'Veon Bell, if he's smart, he'll come back in November, fake an injury then, and then he's on the injury reserve and he doesn't have to play. I'm like, oh my gosh, man. It's just openly, as a player, talking about how they use injuries as a tool against yeah. teams to go ahead and get paid but not have to play. I mean, it was, it was just open and in your face.
1: What I mean, as as a you, we all played sports, but you played at a higher level, playing in college. I mean, I get where he's coming from from a strictly business standpoint. He doesn't want to come back, run the ball forty times a game, get all worn out when he's going into his contract year. I get it, but so is that selfish or is that smart? Because he's obviously not about the team. He's a hundred percent not about the team. It's a hundred percent about himself. But you hear about these guys making these big money, and they they are pretty selfish guys, you know. Yeah, and and but I don't know who would want to play with them. But if you know, I mean, if the Dallas, well, they don't need him. If if if, if a team you liked signed him, would you be happy in the offseason? He's Man, a great running. I don't running know.
0: Back. I mean, I don't know what what you're gonna get if you get the Labian Bell, who who's been a you know a Pro Bowler Hawk for several years. Fox shaking his head. Yeah, Fox shaking his head. He'd like he be wants happy. Him. Oh, you want him in Dallas? He doesn't care. He's a Dallas guy. You don't need Dallas. No, not Dallas. No,
1: I don't need him in Dallas. But if if it's my team and I don't have a running back, I'd definitely want him.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know if you want a bad apple. I mean, how bad of an apple can it be? The guy's not playing for the team that's paying him, so how do you even know he's going to be playing for your team? As soon as something comes up and it doesn't go his way on that team, he's going to do the same thing, right? I mean, if you have a history yeah. of it, so I, you got to have a team guy. You got to have a great player that's also a team guy. You, so. you,
1: you pamper these guys and ride them as long as you can, and but that's part of it too. They, he knows they're just going to ride him, and they have they've made no commitment to him. I'm going to I'm going to be his agent right now, Doctor Dan, because you're obviously saying he's a selfish guy. I'm going to be Le'Veon Bell's agent. Well, you guys have had a chance to give him an extension. We'd be more than happy to sign with Pittsburgh, and we'd be more than happy to run the ball 40 times. Just give us some safety. Give us a seven-year, a five-year deal. You're saying no, so we're going to leave.
0: Yeah, the problem is, is that's fine. You can leave after the contract. You just can't leave the year before the contract and say, I'm going to fake an injury in November. That's where it gets, it gets <laughs> awful sticky. Sure, if you want to leave, if your contract's done and you want to finish out the contract – that's fine, man. If you want to go try and make money somewhere else, that's absolutely okay. But if you've signed a contract saying that you will play for X amount of money, then get on the field and play the game. I mean, Emmitt Smith was both a great running back as well as a great teammate, and great he ran teammate. the and yeah. he ran the ball 40 times, and he played injured in the NFC Championship game, it was a classical, one. he separated his AC joint. He comes back, plays Bailey one armed, and plays. I mean, those are the kind of guys that make the game worth watching. lavian Bell's, I just get tired of it, man. I'm just like, you've been pay- you're getting paid a lot of money. Come out and play.
1: Make no mistake, I'm, uh, I'm, I am I'm I agree with you 100%. I'm arguing the other part. The other part is it is a contract, and he has a right to not fulfill his part of the contract. He just has to pay the consequences, and that's what he's choosing to yeah. do right now. That happens all the time. Unless the he
0: fakes school. an injury, and then he gets the contract that, money. Yeah, that, yeah, That's, that's what's yeah, not that's right.
1: No, that's no blame.
0: <laughs> hey, we'll be right back with more Docs and Josh. We're talking to Coach Jesse Burleson on the other side of this short commercial break.
4: to Docs and Jocks. Brought to you in part by Buffalo Wild Wings, First Financial Bank, and MDI Abilene. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris.
0: Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan coming to you inside the Docs and Jocks radio studio deep in the heart of Texas. My co-host each week is Ferris Potter. Ferris, we are very honored to have a good friend of ours on, uh, Coach Jesse Burleson. Coach Burleson is the head football coach at the Hardin-Simmons University, currently sitting at 3-0. And uh, Coach Burleson, when he played at the Hardin-Simmons University, was an All-American center. Coach, thanks for being on the show today.
5: Hey, I, I'm glad to be able to, to do it with uh, the way the schedule gets and the the, the organized chaos, as we like to cause, <laughs> call it uh, during the season. We love to be able to do it anytime we can, so it's uh, it's definitely my pleasure.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. And, uh, man, just uh, go ahead and tell us about this uh, hot start you guys have done, 3-0 now, getting ready to play East Texas Babish University uh, on Saturday. But tell us about the 3-0 start.
5: Uh, so far, so good. You uh, can't be much better than three and out know, when you've only played three of them. So yeah. uh, we started off uh, the season on the road, two weeks in a row. Uh, so went down to San Antonio, played a really tough Trinity team. Ended up getting a win there, forty two thirty three. Actually ran the ball really, really well, close to five hundred yards rushing in that game. Um, the defense came on, made some key stops as as the game went on. Then we went to Louisiana and played Louisiana College. Uh, hard place to play, uh, long road trip and all those things. And then we get there, we have a night game. Uh, we had two lightning delays, yeah. and we have an extended halftime. So it was a uh, very, uh, very crazy night. We, get, we got off to kind of a slow start and then uh, ended up picking up the, the win, 57-21. to 21. Thought our guys played really well. Uh, only bad thing to come out of that game was we lost our starting quarterback for the season where he tore his ACL. Uh, yeah. A young man named Mark Reed. So he's already had his ACL surgery and already on the road back to recovery. So uh, last week we were home for the for the first time under the lights in a long, long time—probably close to ten years. Uh, first conference night game ever here at Shelton Stadium, and uh, we were able to pick up the win, sixty-five to fourteen, over Howard Payne. So uh, pretty good start, and I've uh, seen a lot of uh, really uh, really great things that our guys have been doing, and they just work each each day and each week to try to get better.
0: Yeah,
1: Pierce. Hey, Coach, you get off to that hot start. What do, you, what do you continue to work on? I mean, I know, coaches, you can always find things that you, even when you score 65 and only give up 14, you still find things to work on. What are some of the things you guys are focused on fine-tuning to keep it going?
5: The the big thing, I think, that each week you just have to look at, uh, at all three phases and how they're fitting together, you know, offensively, defensively, and, and special teams, you have to make sure that, uh, that you're not missing, missing something that can cause you, uh, you know, cost you a game or cost you points or something like that down the road. So, uh, we really do each and every week. We really go, go through everything with the fine tooth comb and make sure that we've got the right players in the right spots. And I think that's the biggest thing that you continue to work on. It's not necessarily a bunch of different schemes but it's more the personnel to get the right guys in the right place. You know, you have to figure out, you know, the way we see it is who can and who can't and who will and who won't, and you got to get the right guys <laughs> on the field at the right time.
0: <laughs> hey, the Louisiana College game, man, it was really tight in the first half and uh, really hard fought, and then you come out in the second half and you just blow them out. I always, as a fan, assume that some kind of coaching uh, schematic changed during halftime. What was it? the tale of two halves between the first half and the second half of that game where it was close to the first half and you blew them out in the second half?
5: Uh, I tell you it was kind of crazy because we uh, we actually returned the opening kickoff of that game for a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, which mm-hmm. you always say, man, that's an awesome way to start it. and it is, but you also uh, unfortunately in the minds of 18 to 22 year olds sometimes that says, "Hey, this is going to be easy." And so those guys battled back and it was 14 to 6, but from uh from 10, I think it was 10 minutes and 38 seconds in the second quarter until the end of the game we outscored them 57 to 7. So, uh, you know, I I think that that was definitely the difference (laughs) in the game. You know, you get off and return that, that opening kick, which was great, but it also kind of, unfortunately, when you have some guys that are, that are kind of young and inexperienced, they kind of relax a little bit. So we had to. Uh, as we like to say, we just lit a fire underneath them during uh, that second lightning delay. We got them going. We came back out. Definitely played well.
0: Hey, for those uh, in our listening audience who maybe haven't heard about Hardin Simmons University football, they're the one of the winningest football teams in the nation at any level. They're a Division three uh, football team, but they play at any level Division one, two, II, and three as far as their winning percentage is, has a long. Uh, stoic or long great history of uh, winning at a high percentage and Jesse tell us about some of the great things going on there You mentioned the lights uh, being one of the new additions at Shelton Stadium at Harden Simmons But you also have beautiful new fitness center that overlooks the field where people can uh, tailgate and sit and watch games and You know, you have the new turf. Tell us about some of the great things going on there
5: uh, I mean, there's just so much progress going on. And I, I think that's the thing that uh, really excites us. I know as coaches, but I think our, our players and our students and, and our alumni as well. I think anybody who comes on our campus, whether they're a visitor, or whether they've been here, uh, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of times before, they see something new and they see progress. And that's, that's really exciting for us. You know, so we've got uh, the fitness center on the, uh, on the south end of the state. It's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it's a beautiful facility overlooking the field and it's a hundred percent for our students and alumni. I mean, it's state of the art in every in every form or fashion. So that's really nice there. Uh, Then we had an extremely generous donor uh, give us the money for uh, some some awesome lights. And we've got LED lights. You know, they're big time, like what they would have in uh, pretty much any stadium in the country that that hosts a lot of people. You know, professional stadiums, Division One stadiums, all those things. So we definitely have the best of the best. And we just see each and every day as a chance for us to. You know, get better. You know, the way we see it in our program is you either get better, you get worse, you never stay the same. So we want to try to get better every day. And we've just seen so much progress and uh, so much, uh, you know, excitement for the future. We just can't wait to see what it holds.
0: Absolutely.
1: Ferris? Hey, Coach, I know you guys are locked in and there's so much going on during the season. Do you ever get a chance, and not that you need much help uh, running up all those points, but do you ever get a chance to watch any other pro teams or college teams and kind of see what they're doing and steal some of the, I know there's some prolific offenses in the NFL especially, but do you even have time to do that?
5: Uh, To be honest with you, I will not watch one NFL game. Um, I know that sounds crazy, but but I will watch every college game that's on, even if it's a replay. I mean, I I'll watch, uh, you know, some some random teams that you probably never even heard of that, that might be on, uh, you know, uh, some random Fox Sports Channel or ESPN 8 right. or whatever it is. We'll, we'll watch all those, but we're always looking uh, for new little wrinkles and, and different things that fit into our scheme. You know, we're not going to do something completely different. But I'd say at least once a week, um, you know, one of us will find, you know, a little, a little something that we can add that, um, you know, will give us a little bit of an advantage, help us to get a, you know, a first down or, you know, get into the red zone or do something like that. So we're always looking for those little things and we can definitely find them, uh, through the college game and through watching high school games as well, you know, but, uh, NFL, is just, uh, it's, it's just hard for us to do that because we're working whenever those guys are playing. Right. You
0: know, it seems like there's so much excitement at Hardin-Simmons University. I mean, as a team physician, I've been going to games for the last 20 years, and by far and away I parked the farthest away from the stadium I've ever had to park. I could not find a spot, you know, 30 minutes to an hour before the game is a crazy, crazy night game, uh, for that first home opener. One of the things I found myself doing, Coach, is you guys have added a huge video board at the end of the field. I don't know if you, if you ever look up there, but I catch myself looking at that almost as much as I look at the game sometimes. Another great addition to Hardin-Simmons.
5: Yeah, I mean, if you're on the field, if you're in the stadium anywhere, you can't help but see it. And yeah. it is, uh, uh, it's the nicest one I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of them in different stadiums and, and those things. But just the way that it, uh, that it adds to the, the aura of Shelton Stadium. You know, it just it looks amazing. And, and I, I try not to look at it, but every once in a while in a game, you know, you got to kind of take yeah. a peek up there and see what's going on because it's just uh, it's extremely eye-catching, and I think our fans love it.
0: Well, tell us what's, uh, the, what's expected for this week. We're going up against the uh, East Texas Babs University, mm-hmm. another fine football team. Uh, tell us what you have planned for this week.
5: Uh, those guys are really, really good. Uh, extremely talented, um, well coached. I mean, they—you you hope to look at at a team and see a bunch of holes, you know, some different things that you can exploit. And uh, these guys don't have many, if any. So, you know, we're going to have to definitely play our best game of the year. They got uh, really good players on both sides of the ball. They have a receiver that I think you'll probably be playing on Sundays. He, he is that good. And and so we're we're just going to have to go out, you know, and put the focus on us and make sure that we are that we're executing we got to take another step forward this week and that that's the big thing that we must do is if we don't uh, if you're not stepping forward you're probably going to be stepping backwards and we definitely can't do that so our guys have had a great week of preparation you know which is going to continue today and uh, we just can't wait for tomorrow at at six o'clock to get here so we got to do a lot of mental and physical work to get to that point but uh, so far so good and we can't wait to to get out there and uh, try to take that next step forward.
0: Hey, we're talking to Coach Jesse Burleson, head football coach at the Hardin-Simmons University, and Coach talking about wide receivers that might be playing on Sunday. You have one yourself, and uh, Reese Childers, who's a senior this year and trying to break a lot of longstanding records with a lot of great wide receivers. Hardin-Simmons, tell us what it's been like coaching this guy for the last three years.
5: Uh, he is one of those guys that's pretty easy to coach. You just kind of tell him the, hey, you line up here and go do Reese. <laughs> he can, he can, he can definitely do it. A uh, good example last week, he. Uh, he had one punt for us. He, he punted and uh, killed it inside the ten yard line. Yeah. Uh, he returned a punt for a touchdown. He had two receiving touchdowns and he had a rushing touchdown.
0: Just another day at so, the office. Uh, <laughs>
5: uh, other than that, he didn't do anything at all. You know, he was just kind of there. So he just uh, he, he's a phenomenal player and he's an even even better young man. That's what's amazing about it. He's a uh, you know captain for our team and. And just one of those guys that it doesn't really matter what his what his role is each week. It might be different, but he's going to jump out there and do it to the very best of his abilities. And and he's definitely been able to do that throughout the four years he's been here.
0: Definitely has. Jeez,
1: coach, are you going to let him call plays in the second half of one of the games? <laughs> just let him run the run the squad. He seems like he does
5: everything else, right? right? Hey, they—you know—they all have suggestions on what you need to run, you know. So, uh, uh, some of them you listen to, some of them you know. When I tell them, hey, I'll give that the attention it deserves. So, uh, but if, if Reese tells us he likes something, we're probably going to get it called within the next series or two for sure.
0: Yeah. Hey, in our last minute here, so Coach, tell uh, our listening audience who don't know about, that may not know about <clears throat> your alignment challenge and and what you're doing all across the country in the off season, so they can start getting ready for that. Tell us all about it.
5: Uh, it's kind of a little thing that that we. Uh, we, we came up with several years ago uh, because the, the skill guys always have seven-on-seven seven and those different things going on. Uh, they do a year-round basically whenever they're not in season. So we try to find something for the big guys. So we've, uh, we've developed an unbelievable uh, competition for those guys where they can come and work together with their teammates. We'll have anywhere from uh, eight to ten or eleven events at each one of those um, at each one of those get togethers, those challenges that we have, and they, they compete as a school, and it's grown from where we had just a few teams the first couple of years to this year at the state lineman challenge, the Texas state championship lineman challenge, which we host and run. Uh, we had over 42 teams at that, wow. uh, at that event, and it was awesome. Just a bunch of big bodies out there competing and sweating and grunting and throwing weight around and, and doing what they do best. and it was It's an awesome deal, and it just keeps getting better every single year.
0: Hey, talk about getting better every year. The Hardin-Simmons University football team does every year. Hey, don't miss this Saturday, 6 p.m. at Shelton Stadium. They're in Hardin-Simmons University's uh, stadium. A great football game against Hardin-Simmons University and East Texas Baptist University. Coach Burleson, thanks for being on Docs and Jocks. We'll have to have you on again real soon. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. All right, we'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks.
4: Docks Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Joe Walker State Farm <clears throat> Insurance, Visual Edge, and Texas Sport and Spy. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris.
0: Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. This is Dr. Dan and Ferris coming to you from inside, deep in the heart of Texas here in our Docs and Jocks radio studio. It's great to have you be part of our show today. He want to say thank you to one of our great new sponsors, Bang. If you haven't found out about Bang, it's a uh, basically a protective gear equipment manufacturer that allows you to use a lightweight, very uh, form-fitting a durable piece of equipment that goes on you, but when it gets hit, it becomes very, very hard like a hard shell. It's called ZoomBang. Go to ZoomBang.com if you want to check it out, Z-O-O-M-B-A-N-G, ZoomBang.com. Anytime anybody's trying to come up with new progressive ways of trying to protect athletes in any way, shape, or form, we love it here on Docs and Jocks. That's what we do on our Sports Medicine Radio Show. So thank you to ZoomBang. Go to ZoomBang.com to check it out. Hey, Ferris. I thought we could uh, talk a little bit more uh, football. We see a couple of big injuries in the news right now. Uh, Jay Ajayi, uh, playing the uh, running back for the Eagles, he uh, says that he is going to play despite a minor back fracture. So I thought you and I could talk about Mm -hmm. what a minor back fracture is, because when when you hear that as a as non-medical, and that's what Ferris does here in the show. He he basically listens to the show as if if he is a uh, listening a member of the audience here on docs and jocks and ask me questions about sports medicine. But when you hear minor back fracture, does that even sound plausible?
1: No, I mean, I have learned because I've been around you so long and I've listened to the show and been on the show so much that, 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 that there are different grades of it. But when you say back and fracture in the same word, I would say you need to be laying down somewhere. Exactly. You don't need to be
0: playing football. Yeah. Not only did uh, uh, he have an injury where he had a small fracture in his back, but he actually came back in the game. And so Jay Ajayi, what actually happened, he got hyperextended, so he got arched backwards when he got tackled. There are several things that happen, small bones that can be fractured when you do that. And you, you know the little bone you feel in your back, right in the middle those little bumps you feel back there? Yep, those are yep. called spinous processes. And so spinous processes, they stick out the back, and they, they keep you from going all the way back. Eventually, one spinous process hits the next one down below it, And they all hit together and so you can't keep going unless eventually the bone gives way and then you crack that spinous process. That is a minor fracture because it doesn't involve the ring that goes, that carries the nerves that Mm. run down through your lower back. Remember, really the dangerous fractures, we call them unstable fractures. In the medical world, we call them either stable or an unstable fracture. In In other words, one that moves or doesn't move when you move. And it also doesn't involve the ring that carries the nerves. We call that the spinal canal but if it involves the ring where the nerves run down, run down through, that's a bigger that's a, that would be a major back fracture because now you're going to be crimping and pinching the nerves whenever you move if that ring is altered in any way. The other fracture, remember when you look at a, uh, you've probably all seen, uh, if you're hunters at all, you've seen it, or if you've seen pictures, you have the vertebral body, the building block, and back behind that there's the ring that holds the nerves, the hole where the nerves run down through. Now, sticking off the sides, there's two bones sticking off each side, one on each side. That's called your transverse process. And that's where most of the muscles in your in your core go up and attach to those transverse process and processes. And so you know when I lean backwards or I twist and I turn, my back turns because the muscles are attaching that, that transverse process and pulling as it turns me. So sometimes you can crack one of those bones if you get hit directly or you get twisted hard enough it'll crack one of those bones as well. So a transverse process fracture or your spinous process fractures do not involve the ring. They are not an unstable fracture. And so that's probably what they mean when they say minor back fracture. But I wanted to clarify because when I saw that in the news, I thought most people were wondering probably, what the heck, what a back fracture? How can there be a minor back fracture? But that's why we always worry about the back and having injuries of that area because you do have a spinal cord in your cervical, your upper neck area, in your mid-back area called your thoracic spine. But in your lower back, you have nerves that are running down through there, that can become crimped or pinched. But we worry about those neurological injuries that occur with fractures. So when you have an injury that doesn't involve that ring, that's a minor back fracture. That that makes sense, Ferris?
1: Yeah, it does. It does make sense. Um, you know, I mean, it it is nice. We talked about it a little bit when we were talking about Tiger Woods in the first hour that it's nice that these guys have access to all these world class physicians, as world class uh, yeah. you know trainers massage therapists, physical therapists, all this stuff, and they take advantage of them. So, you know, back in the day, it might have been, oh, my back is really sore. And you just went out and played no matter what. And maybe you hurt yourself worse. Nowadays, you can have that diagnosis. Hey, look, you know, it's minor. You're fine. Go out and play. Or no, 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 this could turn into something worse. That That's always the question, right? OK, I've got this fracture. Does it get worse if I play or not? You know, that's the yeah. whole Aaron Rodgers question. Am I going to make it worse? If I'm not, I'll just keep playing. If I'm going to make it worse, then maybe I need to, you know, get it done, get it taken or, care of.
0: Or you can be like the uh, bull rider. I forget which one it was that uh, rode Bodacious and fractured his entire face, and they put his face back together. And then just a few weeks later, he goes to national finals rodeo and rides Bodacious again. And there's, his only question to his surgeons ahead of time was like, if Bodacious comes up and hits me in the face again. What happens then? And they're like, well, I guess we just go back in and repair the fractures that you had the first time. We'll just redo them. And he goes, oh, so it can be fixed again? And they're like, well, potentially. He goes, okay, I'm riding. So Hawk, a cracked uh, researcher, who was that? Hawk, who was the? Uh...
1: It was uh, Ty Murray.
0: Ty Murray was the one. Yeah, so scary, man. Can you imagine? Just ah, That's just cr- crazy, ludicrous. I've I've heard people question um, certain athletes' toughness. I've never heard anybody
1: question a rodeo cowboy's toughness. No, no. I've I never t- heard anybody be dumb enough to go like, "Are those guys really that tough?"
0: Yeah, <laughs> no. I was fortunate enough to take care of some rodeo uh, to cover to be the team physician for some rodeos. For I did it for about twenty years, and I tell you what, no one ever ever questioned. I, I saw a gentleman, a rider, he was riding um, Saddle Bronx, and he got his hand stuck, and he dislocated his elbow, full on sh- uh, elbow uh. dislocation. And so uh, he goes. He gets back, put back in back in place. And I'm telling him that he needs to go uh, to the emergency room or see an orthopedic surgeon the next day. Oftentimes, it's associated with an associated fracture. Even can have a nerve injury associated with it. And it's very unstable. You've torn the ligaments or ruptured the ligaments that hold the bones together. When you've done that, and literally, he looks over at the athletic trainer who travels with us, and he says, "Zig, can you tape this thing so I can ride tomorrow?" I'm like, "What?" <laughs> And so what does sorry, Zig say? Zig, Zig said, "Sure." Zig is this old. We've had Zig on the show here. By the way, if you haven't heard Zig, you can go to docsandjocks.com. dot he, he was a trainer with the athletic, uh, with the Texas Rangers for years. Zig was an old school uh, athletic trainer, and he's like, "Well, son, if you want me to tape it up, I'll tape it up for you." And he basically does this crisscross uh, tape job across the elbow that doesn't let you extend your elbow. And the dude rode the next night. He rode. I watched him in the rodeo ride the next night with his elbow and all taped in. They taped him in so tight he couldn't move his arm. And he, oh, he just rode. And I don't know how he did it, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I've never questioned a bullfighter, a rodeo cowboy's toughness. It, honestly, if you're not tough in that sport, you're, you're not lasting. You don't, you don't get to the rodeo that I'm watching unless you've been tough enough to get through all that training. And they weed them out pretty fast.
1: Crazy. yeah i always like to ask like professional athletes and and you know they have long careers or you know and they're professional athletes when was the last time you actually played pain free oh football players like yeah. when did you i mean they might have been high school or, or or junior high like you actually played a full game with no
0: pain we asked the great darren they woodson almost always that. play hurt yeah we asked the, we asked the great darren woodson that and he said by the time he played on sunday and he gave us the timeline and i can't remember which days he started feeling human again but he said About the time it was to play again, I felt human enough to play again. Not that I wasn't playing with pain, but I felt as though I could go out and perform. But it took him the entire week. He was the one that was so anti-going. He mentioned uh, that he did not like going from Sunday to Thursday. He didn't like the Thursday Mm -hmm. game because he still wasn't feeling human enough after going a full game and blowing people up. I remember Darren Woodson played during a time frame when he was still blowing guys up as a safety. remember he was a linebacker also in college at Arizona State. But he said that really it took him a full week, but he played with pain all the time. But it was a full week before he could perform at the level he needed to perform because of all the injuries he had sustained. So that's from the great Darren Woodson, who's in the ring of honor to the Cowboys. So, yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good Are
1: you, you bring up a good point. Are you a little surprised they're still doing that Thursday night football?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I it was, get it
1: from a money standpoint, but everybody knows it's not the best thing for the, the health of the athlete. And even for typically the game, now the Thursday night game we just saw was a great offensive performance and everybody looked like they were healthy. But it's not a still early in the season. It's not a good thing.
0: There was such an outcry after the first year of doing it from the players. I'm kind of surprised that the NFL just didn't listen to the players and just say, hey, they hate it so much, we're going to get rid of it. But I guess money talks yeah. more than uh, Richard Sherman, which is hard to believe because Richard Sherman talks a lot. So, um uh, you know, they. he definitely, there's been some outspoken, uh, what he calls the opposite advocates, a lot, I guess, uh, antagonists or whatever, who do not want the Thursday game to be played in the NFL, and they continue to play it. Like you said, man, money, money talks. It's another day. I guess so. End I guess so. Did you, did you, I was going to ask you, did
1: you watch that Thursday night game? Um, um, Adam Thielen for the, the Vikings got a weird hit, and as he was going down, the knee of the defender hit him right in the temple. And it didn't look like he went out or anything, but it was a really hard blow. They're lining up for a big third down conversion, and they blow the whistle, and they they get the call from up top. And Thielen went nuts when they tried to pull him off. He's throwing his mouthpiece, he's stomping, he's and they pulled him off for a big third down conversion. They didn't get the third down, and the announcer's like, well, everybody's just guarding digs now, because Thielen's not in the game. Yeah. Came back in the game right after that play, but he went berserk, but that's i mean hey, it worked out supposed to right
0: let's talk a little uh, nfl athletic training moments with concussions hawk put your microphone on our our producer of our radio show brandon hawk has had this exact experience with jason witten tell us how nfl players respond when they want to when you're trying to take them out of the game to see if they've had a concussion this is the great jason witten give us your uh, take and does this happen in the nfl
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. uh, Anytime you uh, try to pull one of those guys out of the game, uh, they get very, very upset. And so, uh, as Dr. Dan has explained multiple times with concussions, uh, you know, acting irregular or violently not yourself uh, is is one of the Part symptoms of, of a concussion yeah. yeah and so um you know when these players are using vulgar language to try to get on the field and tell the team doctor that he's the reason we're gonna lose the game <laughs> yeah. uh you know there's probably something going on besides he's just
0: ready to get back on the field yeah and i know hawk and hawk was a uh, assistant athletic trainer there and i know dr bob fowler who's been on the show who's a dallas cowboys team physician he's a good friend and mentor of mine and uh, both of those guys are the the the, the best in their field as far as professionalism, and so, and we've had Jason Witten on. Jason Witten's a super nice guy off the field, man. we were, he's super nice. He's been on our show several times. I've I've worked out with him yeah. before, and uh, but uh, in those moments, there's a reason that players who get to the level of playing in the NFL are are the players that they are. Part of it is, except for Levy and Bell, apparently. You are a team (laughs) player, and you don't want to let your team down, and you are a guy that is fiercely competitive, and you want to play at all costs. So as a team physician, remember, our job is to not allow harm to be done to our player, not by the coaches, not by another player, and not by himself. And when a concussion, when you're not thinking correctly, oftentimes you're very irrational, you're very – out of control, and that's part of it. So the more they kind of throw the temper tantrums like you saw with Thielen, the more you think in your mind this definitely could be a concussion and we need to have them checked out. You don't know until you check them out. That's the whole idea behind having the spotter, the athletic trainer, up in the sky watching to see if these guys have a potential. So good for them. I don't care how bad the guy yells at me. We used to have players scream and yell at the athletic trainer that I worked with for years. He's in the Hall of Fame here in uh, in the big country. His name's David Stuckey. He's at the in the uh, North American Trainers Association Hall of Fame. And he would just take their helmets. And he would say, yeah. basically, go ahead, yell at me. Go ahead, get all mad. at like you want him to get mad. And I'm just going to do what's best for you. And for eight to ten minutes, we'd have a player walking behind him, screaming at him to give him his helmet back, and he just wouldn't do it. So, yeah, no, it's pretty common, Ferris.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I, I thought it was I had not seen it. I don't typically watch a lot of football games. You'd be proud of me. I watched the entire football game mainly because I had fantasy uh, implications <laughs> for me. And it was a fun game, a lot of offense. But yeah, he went berserk on there. And the hit was I mean, yeah, he got a need to side, But I've seen harder hits. It was interesting they chose that one, but maybe because it was so apparent that the knee hit in the side of the of the temple, less about how the player acted afterwards, and more about okay that hit could have done something. Uh, but yeah, he was not happy, and they didn't convert the third down. So if I was a Vikings fan, I would say that uh, that guy was did it in, on purpose, you know. But yeah, I don't think he did.
0: Yeah, remember as a, a team physician, I can't let the fans' attitude, I can't let the player's status, he's a good player, or bad player, and I can't let the moment in the game get in the way of taking care of the player. I only have one responsibility, and that is to the safety of that player, no matter the situation, no matter the player's status, and no matter the fans' implications. So it's a hard job sometimes, but that's why we're out there. Hey, we'll be right back with more Docs and Josh, Sports Medicine Radio Show after this short commercial break.
4: and jocks brought to you in part by west texas neurosurgery abilene tech and sports clips touchdown now back to more docs and jocks with dr dan and ferris
0: hey welcome to our last segment here on docs and jocks been great having you the entire two hours you've been with us here on docs and jocks remember you can listen to us anywhere anytime by going to docsandjocks.com or by going to our itunes podcast docs and jocks or you can listen to us on our uh uh, SB Nation podcast on Podcast Arena, man. We'd love to have you part of our show anytime, anywhere. Hey, Ferris, I thought we could drop in a couple uh, last injuries here on our uh, just our last few minutes here on Docs and Jocks. The great Sean Lee, the Dallas Cowboys middle linebacker, if you ever look at how they play when he's in as far as winning percentage versus when he is not playing, it's dramatic. So the Dallas Cowboys, who've had a little bit of a struggle here at the start of the season, they definitely need their starting middle linebacker. He's not going to be out a few games. It's been announced because of a hamstring injury. This guy, he's been out because of concussions. He's had had an ACL rupture. He's had hamstring injuries. It is sad to see a great player like Sean Lee have to sit out now. You'd like to see Dallas Cowboys at their best, and they're at their best with Sean Lee playing.
1: Yeah, they need him, and they're, you know, this is going to be an interesting year for them with some of the weapons gone and seeing what Dak can do uh, offensively. So yeah, you don't want to have a defense banged up yeah you
0: bet hey it looks like university of texas offense coordinator tim beck will not be traveling this week with uh university of texas they go to play kansas state he's been hospitalized uh, with an unknown uh, infection so uh, we wish he and his family the best in his recovery but yeah it may make a difference Uh, so ut mm. had the big win against usc last week it looked like they've been getting some momentum so they may be a little lost without their offensive coordinator looks like the head coach is gonna be calling the plays
1: yeah, I think they'll probably all rally around. They'll they'll all miss him being there. They'll probably rally around. They should be able. They should still be able to take care of K State. That's my prediction. Yeah,
0: and it looks like Atlanta Braves are going to be without their starting shortstop, Dansby Swanson. He is now going to be out Ugh. with a partial tear with a ligament in his left hand. It doesn't know. They don't know exactly how long they said they're going to keep him out for the rest of the season and possibly even some of the playoffs. So without their star uh, shortstop, it may be a different game. Once again, it's like losing your team leader in the last you know effort here to try and get in the playoffs. Former number one overall draft pick by
1: the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks out of Vanderbilt U.
0: Yeah. Tough for him.
1: He's going to be in the playoffs for the first time.
0: Yeah, you hate to see those great ones go down. And one of the great ones right now is Ohio State's defensive end, Nick Bosa. He's going to be down several weeks after undergoing a core muscle uh, repair surgery. It's called a sports hernia. He had that Mm -hmm. done. He's going to be out another two to three weeks. It looks like A.J. Green, uh, the uh, Bengals wide receiver, is dealing with the same type of injuries. So you hate to see great players like Nick Bosa with Ohio State and A.J. Green go down with those types of injuries. What we love to see, though, is uh, when guys like uh, you listen to our show, and we appreciate all our great listeners here on Docs and Jocks. And if you ever want to catch our show or maybe you missed one of our segments we had with one of our great guests like Thomas Trammell or uh, Jesse Burleson, you can go back and listen to those by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com, or maybe you can listen to our show anytime, anywhere, also by going to sbnation.com. We're now nationally syndicated. We'll be right back next week with more Docs and Jocks.